Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto the ages of all ages, Amen. In uh, today's Gospel, Jesus' disciples are sent out to go and preach, and they go and they preach, and they come back to Jesus um, uh, to tell Him all that they did. And so He takes them to a, to a deserted place, and all these people that they've been preaching to for this time all start coming and flocking towards Jesus. It's never actually written that Jesus was surrounded by so great a multitude. So we see that Jesus gave his disciples power and the power they had was genuine. And it caused some kind of transformation in people. So the, the amount of people that came to Jesus after the sending out of the disciples was more than there were when the disciples were with him. So this is... We're going to touch on this at the very end of the sermon, God willing. Jesus sees the, the people and he tells them, tells his disciples, we can't send them home like this. They'll faint on the way. And, and the disciples say, but we're in a deserted place here. We have nothing. We have only these five loaves and two fish. Some little boy, his mom was smart enough, gave him a little lunchbox. All we have is the lunchbox. You're going to feed 15, 20,000 people with a lunchbox? Right? Well, what are we going to do? So Jesus takes the five loaves and the two fish and he blesses them and breaks them and gives them back to his disciples to give to the multitude. So you see the pattern, the pattern has changed. Before Jesus, when he first came back from his temptation in the wilderness and started his ministry, Jesus was the one walking around saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But now the pattern is different. Jesus gives to his disciples and his disciples give to the people. In the Pauline epistle, you, to understand the readings, we need to read all of the readings together. In the Pauline epistle, St. Paul starts off by saying, If anyone does not consent to wholesome words, the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the doctrine which accords with godliness. What does this have to do with the feeding of the 5,000? It has to do with this. When Jesus was tempted and, the, and, and Satan told him, turn these stones into bread. After Jesus had been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, if anyone was hungry, Jesus was. And, and the devil tells him, turn these stones into bread. What does Jesus say? He tells him, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word which proceeds from the mouth of God. Every word which proceeds from the mouth of God is able to give us life, more than food. That's what Jesus is telling us in his temptation, and a lot more, and that's like really what we're going to focus on. So, although Jesus did take bread and fish and took the lunchbox and, and multiplied it and made it enough for his disciples to distribute the little boy's lunchbox to the, a whole multitude of people, Although he did feed them and feed their bodies, Jesus is very interested in reaching out to the needs of our bodies, be they, be they our biological needs, our physiological needs, or be they our physical needs, our financial needs, our emotional needs, our psychological needs. All of these things, yes, Jesus is very interested in all of these things. But he's trying to tell us something, he's trying to tell us something which maybe a lot of us have backwards. A lot of us, a lot of us, we think that, we think that now as a new creation, 
As like we prayed a baptism this morning, and it reminds, every time I pray a baptism, it reminds me of who I am and who God has made me to be. Not as a priest, as a Christian. We, we, have, we have something, sometimes we forget something, that we are a new creation. Those of us who have been baptized are a new creation. What, is, what does that mean? This new creation is, is different. It's a different kind of being. And it responds to the created universe in a different way. What do I mean? I mean this. Let me give you an example. I'll give you an example. When I come home at night from after having had a multitude of service and people and all kinds of great things, and I'm physically and emotionally and psychologically tired, what do I have a tendency to do? Right? If it's not going to be midnight McDonald's, it's going to be get home, take my cassock off, and go and see what's left over in the fridge. Right? And by the time I'm done, there will be nothing in the fridge. It'll be licked clean. Right? It'll look like it just came from the Leon's department store or whatever. Right? It'll be brand spanking new because I've licked it clean. Right? And if I pause and think for a second, I'll say, well, I'm tired and I'm hungry. Am I really hungry for food or am I kind of comfort eating? Maybe I'm comfort eating, right? Maybe I am genuinely hungry. Maybe the last meal I had was my like early lunch at 10 or 11 a.m. Maybe, right? But nonetheless, nonetheless, that hunger that I feel, be it psychological, be it emotional, or be it a, general, a, a genuine physical hunger, no one will deny that Jesus in his temptation after being fasting for 40 days and 40 nights was genuinely hungry. He was, maybe he'd been alone for 40 days and 40 nights. Maybe he was in the wilderness, in the desert. Maybe he was tired. Maybe he had a kink in his neck from sleeping without a pillow. Maybe, maybe a million other discomforts. But one thing is for sure that Jesus was hungry. Jesus was hungry. Despite the fact of his hunger, Jesus answers the temptation and says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word which proceeds from the mouth of God. The message is this, that we, those of us who are Christians, baptized and living in the Spirit, have a Spirit within us which is able to overcome everything. We read in the Synexarium the story of John of the Golden Gospel, how he, he fasted so much that the abbot of the monastery was telling him, enough, stop fasting. Look at the other, the other monks. They fast a little bit, they eat a little bit, and so on, moderation. He said, he said pray that the Lord may support me. I'm not... Uh, advocating extreme measures of asceticism. I'm not telling you to go home and fast for 40 days or 40 nights. And I'm not telling you that when, when you feel hungry that you shouldn't eat, you should go and pray only. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is this, is that the Word of God has the power to give satiety to those who are living in the Spirit. When I open the Word of God, the Word of God is inspired by the Spirit, right? The Scriptures are inspired by the Spirit of God. The Spirit which is in the Scriptures is the same Spirit which is in me. So I should see a reflection. Like if you, if you look at a picture of yourself, 
you look like you're looking at almost a reflection of yourself, right? Yes or no, maybe you're wearing something different on that day, whatever. But you're looking at yourself. So the spirit in the scriptures should speak to the spirit that's in me. And if it does, that will give me a sense of, a sense of fulfillment. And that, my brothers and sisters, is the secret, is the secret... God give me to live by it is the secret to overcoming all the temptations that are related to pleasure. Temptations come in three varieties. We've discussed this many times, so I'll just breeze over it and focus only on the one we're talking about today. They come in three flavors, right? The, which are the temptations of Christ. Hedonism, pleasure. Humanism, like pleasure is, pleasure is God. The temptation of humanism, humanity is God or I am God, right? And the third one, materialism, right? Stuff is God, okay? All of these are temptations, the different, and every temptation in life, whatever temptation you find will fall into one of these three categories, right? If it's food, if it's lust, if it's pleasure, if it's whatever, that's all, that fall, all, all falls into the pleasure category, right? And Jesus tells us how to overcome, to, to overcome those pleasures. He tells us that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word which proceeds from the mouth of God. I want to speak a little bit specifically about something which I speak, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, I do a lot of counseling in this regard, and it's no mystery. 90%, 90% of young men in North America have been exposed to pornography, 90%. So it's something I deal with in spiritual guidance and counseling a lot. And a lot of young men, God bless them, God bless them for their fierce struggle against sin. And young men, women as well. The statistics for young women are, are varied. I've seen things like 20% and things as high as 60%, right? Anyhow, nonetheless, all of us in this, in this age, in this time, struggle with our holiness and our purity, all of us, right? Many people come to me and tell me, but Father John, it's an appetite. You're hungry, you eat. You're thirsty, you drink. You have sexual urges, you fulfill them. I want to tell you this is a lie. This is a lie. God never created our sexuality to be something which is an appetite. I'm hungry, so I eat. I'm thirsty, and I drink, and so on. And you can apply this to the other things that we would apply the word appetite to, but never so much as to our spirituality, our sexuality. Why? Because Jesus has called us to live out, to live out our sexuality the same way that He lives His. God's sexuality. Sorry, did, did I hear something wrong, Father John? Maybe, <laughs> maybe you didn't get enough sleep last night or something. No, no, that's that's right. God loves us with all three different kinds of love: with agape, selfless love; with philo, which is familial or familiar love, reciprocal love, where you love somebody and they love you in return, right? And the third kind of love is eros. And some people describe a fourth kind of love, like C.S. Lewis in the four, his book called The Four Loves, talks about a fourth kind of love, which is affection or charity. But we'll leave that one aside. Most authors don't talk about that. They say three kinds of love. Eros. Eros is erotic love. Erotic love is this. Erotic love is an irrational love of pouring oneself out for another. 
So it's a physical love. It's, it, it, it's tied to the physical, to the body. It's creationist. It's intense. And it's irrational. So there's many books written about it, but none of them do it justice. And every author will say that. Because it's in irrational love. It's irrational. So how could you write a book about it? How could you write an essay about it? Right? All you can do is describe some observations. Rather than that, other than that, you can experience it. Right? God loves us with an erotic love. And the greatest erotic act, the fathers say, is the cross. Where Jesus... Against all rationale, why would the creator of the universe allow himself to be so horribly beaten and to suffer so viciously at the hands of his own creation? Completely irrational. Pours himself out. What is the gift that is given in erotic love? It is me. Like in, in, my, in my marriage relationship with my wife, what do I give her? I give her flowers, I give her chocolates. That's nice. But... In, in the sexual act, what do I do? I give her myself. What has Christ given us? Himself. He has given us Himself. How did He give us Himself? He was stripped naked and gave us His body, which is offered to us on the cross and in similar respects offered to us on the communion table. This is the model of erotic love for the new creation. For the person who has been made a new creation in the baptistry and in Christ. So the purpose of erotic love might act like, what am I supposed to do? Like, like if I read my script, it says, you know, and then the, the character picked up the hat and put it on his head and pulled his glasses down and put them and said, that's very, and so on, right? So what's my script? What's my part in the erotic act? To do as Jesus did. Did Jesus say, I have an appetite. I feel like I... I'm, I'm hungry to suffer on the cross. No, the opposite. He said, I'm hungry to give myself, not to take something. In all the other appetites, when we talk about I'm hungry, so I eat, I'm thirsty, so I drink, I have sexual urges, so I fulfill them, we're saying, I'm hungry, so I take something. But in this, it's not like that. It's I'm hungry to give, to pour myself out, to give myself my body, to give myself. And that's what Jesus is trying to teach us. That as a new creation, everything is different. Everything is different. St. Paul says about food, they, they, they got into all these arguments with St. Paul in his epistles to the Corinthians about food. These people eat things offered to idols. These people do not. These people eat only vegetables. These people do not. He said, look, look, food for the body and the body for food, right? But let both be for the glory of God. What's he saying? You want to eat this, eat it. You don't want to eat that, don't eat it. Don't judge anybody and don't trouble your conscience. If it troubles your conscience to do such and such, don't do it. If it troubles your conscience to do such and such, don't do it. One of the best verses that I try to live by in the Pauline epistles, St. Paul says this. He says, blessed is the man, happy is the man, happy will you be if you do not condemn yourself in the things that you approve. So if you approve of something, do it. If you don't approve of something, don't do it. But don't approve of something for a moment to let yourself do it and then beat yourself after, up afterwards for doing it, right? Either look, either look at the McKnight McDonald's and say, I deserve this, I worked hard, and you know, rationalize it to yourself and accept it and do it because you believe in it or don't do it because you don't believe in it. But don't 
but don't do things, don't convince yourself into doing something and then you know you're not convinced and you do it anyways and then afterwards you beat yourself up for it. St. Paul is telling us this, that when it comes to food, food for the body, body for food, but both for the glory of God. Bishop Paul in the mission would always tell us, eat well, sleep well, serve well. If you need me to get you a, a king bed in the middle of, 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 of like a war zone so that you can serve there, I will get you a king bed so you can sleep well and so you can serve there. But serve well. Let there be no excuse for serving God. Let there be no excuse for me not to bring glory to God. If you're hungry, eat. Fine. No problem. Right? But bring glory to God. Let your life be a love song to God. When it comes to our sexual urges, our sexual desires, we have to always put ourselves back into the framework of a new creation. I am a new creation. I am like Jesus. When I feel an urge, I need to tell myself, the world is telling me I feel an urge to take. But as, as a new creation, the world isn't going to say this to me because the world doesn't know this. And so we're not blaming the world or society, right? We're blaming me, the teacher in this church, because I haven't taught this. So I'm teaching it now, right? The urge I'm feeling is an urge to give myself, to pour myself out, right? And I can do that in a marriage relationship, and I can also do that in my own relationship with God. And I can do that very specifically, very, very, very specifically, I can do that in my relationship with His Word. So, getting ultra-practical now, ultra-practical, okay, like down to what... Father John, what am I supposed to do? This is what you're supposed to do. When you feel a temptation, any kind of temptation, stop everything you're doing. Whatever it is you're doing, just stop. If you're walking on the street, stop. If you're writing an email, stop. If you're on the phone, pause for a second. We all get distracted in conversations. No one will hold it against you. Do the sign of the cross and say, Lord Jesus Christ, save me. Appeal to Jesus, appeal to his cross, appeal to his blood on the cross. This will drive all demons away from you for about 45 seconds. But it will drive all demons away from you for a very short period of time. Enough time, enough time for you to ask yourself, what kind of temptation is this? Is this pleasure or is this about me? Is this like about myself, about my ego or is this about stuff, right? If it's about pleasure, we'll talk about the other temptations some other day, but today we're talking about pleasure. If it's about pleasure, tell yourself, fine, God has given us all things for our enjoyment. Fine, no problem. God has given us all things for our enjoyment. However, before I eat that second dinner, before I do this, before I do that, before I allow myself this pleasure, I'm going to read X number of chapters of the Bible. I'm going to read three chapters from the Bible. I'm going to read four chapters from the Bible. I'm going to read five chapters from the Bible. Usually I tell people to read five chapters from the Bible. It takes an average of about four minutes to read a chapter. So that's like 20 minutes, you know, 20 minutes inserted into your day. Before I have my second dinner, I'm going to read... I'm going, to read four, I'm going to read from the Bible for 20 minutes. And then if I still want to eat my second dinner, if I still want to lick the fridge clean, I'll lick the fridge clean. No problem. Right? But I'm going to do this. I'm going to make sure that before I, I, my, I satisfy my body, that I satisfy my spirit. And before I give a chance to my body, I'm going to give a chance to my spirit. 
And I find in my own life and from speaking to people in confession, spiritual guidance and so on, that about 80% of the time I'll leave the fridge door closed. About 80% of the time. Sometimes you are genuinely hungry and you have a spirit and you have a soul and you have a body. And even after your soul, your spirit has been, has been satisfied, your body is still saying, but I'm still hungry. No problem. No problem. There's nothing wrong with that. No problem at all. There's nothing wrong with that. But Jesus is telling us, Jesus is telling us that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word which proceeds from the mouth of God. The other thing that St. Paul is telling us in the Pauline epistle is this. He says, contentment, contentment with godliness is great gain. And he says this, We brought nothing into this world and is certain that we will carry nothing out. Having food and clothing with these we shall be content. But whoever desires to be rich will fall into temptation. And he goes on to talk about the temptations of greed. The second thing to be really practical that we can do is that we can aim for contentment. We can aim for contentment. Every now and again, Mary and I, every, we're supposed to do it every month, but it ends up being every three months or six months, we have a little financial family meeting to see how are things going. Where are we going with our finances? Are we going the right direction, the wrong direction? How are things, right? Short little meeting, review our finances, see where things are at, right? But the last couple of times we were asking ourselves, where, what are we aiming for? What are we aiming for? St. Paul is telling you what to aim for. Aim for contentment. Not only in your personal finances, but in life. In, in your career, in your relationships with people, your friendships, your social life, your relationships with your family, your parents, your children, so on. In, in everything, aim for contentment. And contentment comes from God, not from people, not from stuff. We all have different kinds of metrics by which we evaluate ourselves. I want to tell you, St. Paul says something which gives me a lot of peace. He says, you know, I don't really care what people are saying about me, and I don't care how they judge me. In fact, I don't even judge myself. I want to tell you that more often than not, some self-assessment is good, but oftentimes I think we overdo it, and we give ourselves heartache, we give ourselves headache by seeing, am I on track, am I not on track, and so on. Doing that every now and again is good. And what every now and again means is different for each person. But for the most part, let us aim for contentment. Let us aim to be people who are satisfied, and we are satisfied by our relationship with God, and our relationship with His body, and our relationship with the Church. Let us be satisfied by Him. Let us find our satisfaction in Him. And that little trick, I'll repeat it one last time, to share with you, whenever you feel that there's a temptation coming your way, just stop everything you're doing, whatever it is, and do the sign of the cross, and reach out to Jesus on the cross and ask Him to save you. Then ask yourself, what kind of temptation is this? Is it a temptation of materialism or a temptation of, of, of humanism, of my own ego and pride? Or is it this third category, which is the, the category of pleasure? If it is the category of pleasure, let me satisfy my soul and my spirit with God and His Word and then see if the need is still there. If it is then fine, assuming it's not sinful, right? Assuming it's food or something else, right? And if it isn't, then God has satisfied our needs 
through his word as he promised. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. I have sinned. Forgive me, my fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters. Please pray for me.